All right, if you would take out your Bibles, we are in Exodus 6 here. You're going to get a full value Sunday. Um, Exodus 6, and you're going to look at this uh, starting at verse 13 and going into verse 27. You're going to look at this and you're going to see a genealogy right there. See, it's been kind of crowded here lately, and we thought one of the ways we could deal with the crowding problem is to preach right through a genealogy. <laughs> Surely that would help us. Um, we are going to look at this. Uh, just recently, our family made kind of a big decision. Um, we decided that we wanted to get a, a family dog. And, um, yes, <clears throat> some of you probably know that... Um, uh, we've had a, a yellow lab named Gunner, and unfortunately, a little over a year ago, our dog, uh, our family dog Gunner, uh, died unexpectedly, and it was very traumatic for the family here. And so I have a, this is Gunner, and uh, Ellie was having some fun with her sunglasses with him. And uh, a little over a year's passed, and we thought, you know, it's probably time to, to go ahead and try to move on here, and, and we've decided this time we want to get a chocolate lab. We want to try a different color, you know, hair in the vacuum cleaner, and switch it up from what we're used to so uh, so we started looking around town for a breeder and uh and we did we found one that we were really excited about and they actually sent me a couple pictures of some dogs that they're uh they're breeding uh and so here's the uh here's the male and and uh here's the female with a, a litter uh, a couple years ago and so anyways we're pretty excited about this and uh we were impressed with just uh, these dogs and one of the things that the breeder was showing us they were going through the pedigree of these dogs and they were showing us all of the grand champions and the field champions and the uh, and the this and that and, and it was pretty fun to uh, kind of learn about all of these different things and to get a sense for the pedigree of these dogs and um, so we decided we'll put a deposit down and sometime in August uh, we will bring home a new puppy and I will have an infinite supply of sermon illustrations from this dog, I'm sure. This morning, as we look at a genealogy in the scriptures, we're actually looking at something kind of like this. We are looking at the pedigree of these two men that God chose to rescue Israel. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see kind of what is in their background and, and, and who they were and how God brought them to the present day situation that they found themselves in. And the lineage that we find here goes all the way uh, uh, of course, from Jacob, and it comes right up to the present-day grandson of Aaron, who was Phineas. In other words, the, the people of Israel, the, the original recipients of this book, the Jewish refugees that had left Egypt and were on the plains of Moab and were ready to go into the Promised Land, were able, able to look at little Phineas here and trace the family line all the way back to Jacob because of what is presented here. Um, and I think... Um, I think there's a lot of scholars and maybe even some of us here as we read this and we think, okay, why in the world are we given the genealogy here, especially in chapter 6? And why is Pastor Eric going to bother with it? Maybe even bigger than that. The genealogy of Moses and Aaron is really located at just a key turning point in the book. And there's something important for us to pull out of this. And you're going to be, I think, maybe a little bit amazed at how much this connects with what we've already heard this morning. But um, up to this point, the focus of the book has really been on the call and the commissioning of, of Moses. And it's been all about how God providentially prepared Moses and set him aside and developed him as Israel's leader in spite of his, 
his insecurities and his shortcomings. But at this point in the text, we enter, we enter a, a new part of the story. The stage has really been, has been set, but now the action begins in the narrative. Part one is about how God raised up a leader in Moses, and part two of the story is about how God takes down a leader in Pharaoh. And we're told that he does this with a mighty hand and many demonstrations of his power. But right in between these two major sections of the book, there is the description, uh, or these two major sections, the rise of Moses and, and the fall of Pharaoh. We get, of all things, this genealogy of Moses and Aaron, and it just begs the question, why is this here? Why is this here? Why do we care? Can't we just skim over it, or is maybe there actually something here that we can learn? And, of course, there is something here that we can learn. Um, the genealogy is placed here purposely to communicate some important truths uh, to the original recipients of the book um, and to the readers of God's word for generations to come. Again, this is, this is where the drama begins. And before it begins, God wants us to know something about these two men and he wants us to know something about himself. And so I want to draw your attention to the first couple of verses of this. First of all, verses 13 and 14. And then we're going to skip down to the bottom and look at verses 26 and 27. Verse 13 says this. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he commanded them to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. These were the heads of their families. Now skip down to verses 26 and 27. It was this Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring the Israelites out of Egypt by their divisions. They were the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, about bringing the Israelites out of Egypt. This same Moses and Aaron. Do You notice something interesting there? You notice the repetition? These are almost the same set of pairs of verses at the very beginning of the genealogy and at the very end of the genealogy. And last week we talked about some good Bible reading skills and interpretation skills. We talked about repetition. When we see repetition, that's the volume knob, the volume knob of the text, and God is telling us something. And these two pairs of verses at the beginning and at the end form what we call an inclusio. In other words, they're brackets to a passage to teach us an important truth. And we'll find this elsewhere in the scripture, and I'll give you a reference for another one if you want to look at it. It's in Psalm uh, Psalm 8, which begins with, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then it goes through and it talks about the majesty of God. And then it concludes with that same verse. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. What is the point of Psalm 8? It's about the majesty of God. And the, and the inclusio wants to state it up front, show it in the middle, and then state it at the end. And the same thing is happening here in this particular passage with this inclusio. God is wanting us to know right up front that the exodus, there's only two points this morning, and this is the first one. The exodus was a real event in real time led by these real men. And so this section concentrates on these two men and how it was that they arrived at this precise moment in history. And by doing so, the author just anchors the event of Exodus in real time and space and history. In other words, this isn't just a children's story. This isn't fiction. This isn't myth. But it's a real event carried out by real people in real time. And that's one of the primary purposes of this genealogy, to just underscore that. And this would have helped the original hearers basically trace Moses and Aaron 
uh, kind of trace back to Moses and Aaron and understand who they really were and where they came from. And so we learn that while God uses these two men as his principal agents in this rescue story of taking Israel out of Egypt, um, what we find is that the real agency, the real power behind this rescue is actually God himself. And, and even though this event really happened and he used these real guys, the other thing that we're going to find out is this. There's actually nothing very impressive about Moses and Aaron and their pedigree at all. Uh, they don't have excellent bloodlines. They have a pretty sketchy background. And yet God used them in spite of it. And that's the second point this morning. The first is that this is a real event, real time and space, and these are real people that God used. The second point is this. God's choice of Moses and Aaron uh, show us the grace and the greatness of God. His choice of these two men had nothing to do with any natural advantage or ability or really any strong pedigree, but rather we find that he chose them in spite of, in spite of their sketchy past. We're just going to look at the first few verses of the genealogy and then we'll, we'll draw some of our conclusions here. Um, look at verse 14. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel, were Hanak and Palu, Hezron and Carmi. These were the clans of Reuben. The sons of Simeon were Jemuel, Jamin, Ohad, Jachin, Zohar, and Shaul, the son of a Canaanite woman. These were the clans of Simeon. These were the names of the sons of Levi, according to their records, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Levi lived 137 years. And I know what you're thinking. You're all hoping, I hope he stops right here and doesn't keep going. Uh, And your hopes will be granted. I won't continue. What I want to show you is, I want to show you this visually instead of just by a, a list of words. I want to show you what's going on and what the author is showing us here. So I've given you this chart. I know how much you all like charts. And so here we have a picture of basically the family tree of Moses and Aaron. And I want to just kind of quickly just brush through some of this so you can see what the author is pointing out here. First of all, we see, of course, Jacob. We see, uh, we see the head of the family here, also known as Israel. And the text, this genealogy, only gives us his first three sons, and then it stops. It doesn't give us the rest because, in a sense, it doesn't care. The point is to figure out where Moses and Aaron come from. So we get Reuben, uh, excuse me, Reuben and Simeon and then Levi. And you can see I've tried to color code this. Hopefully you can kind of catch it. Levi is the line from which Aaron and Moses come from. And so it's in orange as is in Jacob. Can you see that? Already got it. Except for you colorblind folks. Uh, ask for help from your neighbor. So, but here's what's fascinating. Reuben, the firstborn. Which in Israel, this is, a, this is a big thing. Typically the blessing, the birthright, and the double portion would be passed down through the firstborn. But you know what? Reuben didn't get it. And the reason why is because he had committed such a gross sexual sin that he had lost his birthright. And it had been passed on to the next. And then guess who was the next? Well, it would have been Simeon and then Levi. But these two also were passed over. And the reason why, you might remember this from our series in in Genesis. It's in Genesis 34 if you want to research it. But these were the two that led the massacre against the city of Shechem. Do you remember this? Their sister Dinah had been violated. And they were so upset and so frustrated and angry about this that they basically, basically, in a ploy, 
uh, staged a revolt and they went back and in their anger to avenge their sister, they massacred a whole town. And so because of that, they were also passed over for the birthright and the blessing. And they also forfeited uh, future portions and future inheritance of the promised land. And they were dispersed among Israel. This is the pedigree of Moses. He wasn't from the firstborn, not from the second. He was from the third, Levi. But as we see, Levi is no grand champion. We tend to look at the family of Levi and we tend to think, well, that's the Levitical line. That's the priestly line. Surely that's a feather in his cap, right? Not at this point. At this point, the family of Levi is no qualification. It's a scandal. And that's the family that he came from. We might tend to think that, uh, so maybe some of you are asking, well, where does the birthright go? It goes on to the next son, which is Judah. And Judah is the line that receives the blessing and the double portion. It's the kingly line, the line of David and the line of Christ. But that's not the line that Moses and Aaron come from. They come from the third son, the disgraced line of Levi. And as you can see, the line continues on down. Then they come again, not from the first son here of Gershom, but from Kohath, and then from Amram. And then we find Moses, again, not even the firstborn, but the second male. And Miriam is, in fact, his oldest sister. Quite a pedigree, isn't it? What we find in this, what the original hearers would have heard in this genealogy is this, that Moses' election and his calling were a gift of grace. And they were not based upon the rights and the privileges of his birth. He wasn't the oldest. He wasn't from the prestigious family such as Judah, but actually from the line of Levi, which at this point was scandalous. God did not choose these men because they were really great guys with awesome pedigree. He chose these men and he used them because our God is great and because he wanted the glory. And because God can do great work with broken people. That is the message of this genealogy. That is what the original hearers would have heard. And that's what we need to take away from it as well. Not just the list of names. But by that list of names we see the greatness and the grace of our God. As New Testament Christians, the same truth that we find in this Old Testament passage is, is true for us as well. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says this. It is by grace that you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. As New Testament Christians, as those who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and trust in him alone for the forgiveness of our sins, we know that we were chosen not for any good in us. We know that we were elected by his own sovereign will. And that we were set apart and made holy by the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was by God's grace that we were saved. Through faith, not of ourselves. It was the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. This morning we're going to remember, uh, reminding ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ of the sacrifice of Christ by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. If you've been asked to serve, would you come forward at this time?